growth of any nation depends on the strength of its economy. The fortune of any nation lies in the manner in which the economy of such a nation is being managed. When the economic base of a nation is strong, the growth is quite assured. But with a fragile economy, the strength of such a nation becomes a source of worry. So what needs to be done to build a stronger Nigerian economy? On that note, I welcome you to the new order on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network. The new order examines a critical issue in our national life representing the way to go. In this edition, we look at building a stronger economy. My name is Princess Aboraro, your narrator. The Nigerian economy is structured around crude oil with other sectors having not much to add. The near-monoeconomic status of the Nigerian economy has therefore made the economy prone to significant shock to events that have economic impacts. Evidently, the Nigeria's economy entered a recession in 2020 due to a fall in crude oil prices and containment measures to fight the spread of COVID-19. The containment measures mainly affected aviation, tourism, hospitality, restaurants, manufacturing and trade. Contraction in these sectors of set demand-driven expansion in financial and information communications technology sectors. When Nigeria exited recession, other negative economic indices like inflation, among others, have been haunting the country. An economist, Oladofun Mabunoli, reflects on the broad challenges to the Nigerian economy within the record era of global COVID-19 pandemic. As it is now, everybody is crying. The economy is still not the way it should be. If you check our GDP, the largest contributor to our GDP is agriculture contribution over 24 percent to the GDP. Early 2020 we had a series of others farmers clash in a different part of the country, especially the middle belt where is a farm basket state of the nation. So but if you take 2020 to a very large extent, those clashes reduced, then people start producing, goods start coming to market, then manufacturers start getting goods and stuff. So that's why I said this is a, it's a ripple effect. So because of that reduction in insecurity between farmers and elders, then farm produce start coming out and then the market starts rebounding. And I also and again if also check um, uh, manufacturers actually, most manufactured goods, about 70% of their raw material come from farm. If the farm is distorted, the market will be distorted, price of goods and services will go up, the GDP will surely be affected. So it's like saying the major of the major being treated, 24% of the of GDP is being uh, attended to then. Of course, we should expect such uh, growth. Then again, the aviation sector, the service sector, after COVID, because the COVID, the restrictions have been lifted, people rushed in, remittances also started increasing, people started sending money back home, because the, their own um, domestic economy over there, those in UK, US, got their job back, started working at home, or different ways of, uh, since they opened the economy, and so all these put together will surely make the economy to uh, to come in, then it's not yet Uru. We can't say we have gotten five point something, then that will start, we'll go back to bed. Now, in a bid to strengthen the Nigerian economy, the federal government has been undertaking a number of economic policies and programs within the period. One of them is the medium-term expenditure framework and fiscal strategy paper. It is designed to facilitate several important outcomes, improved allocative efficiency, and more efficient use of public funds. 
This became even more important following the COVID-19 pandemic. This policy was presented to the Senate by President Muhammad Buhari and was approved by the Senate. Senator Adola Solomon is the chairman of the Senate Committee on Finance and National Planning. Under 3.0, we have the membership of the committee that were part of the consideration of the MTEP and the fiscal strategy. That goes to page uh, 4 of the document. We also have the method that was adopted in consideration of this medium-term expenditure framework and the fiscal strategy paper. And, uh, and the MBAs that were invited by the committee. Mr. President, distinguished colleague, the MBAs that were invited are categorized into three. Those that are funded by the budget, those that are partially funded, and those that are fully funded from the federal budget. It is believed that its implementation will make the economy viable to meet up with emerging challenges, including funding of infrastructure. The Senate President, Ahmed Lawan. The time has come for us as an administration to start to think of other sources and means of funding our infrastructure. In addition to economic diversification, the country also requires different approaches towards achieving economic growth and national security. As such, the 27th Nigerian Economic Summit was held as a platform for stakeholders to highlight Nigeria's core socio-economic challenges to come up with solutions. The theme for the summit was securing our future, the fierce urgency of now. The Vice President, Professor Yamil Shimbajo, raised issues to be addressed as to enhance a two-digit growth of the Nigerian economy. Population growth is obviously an issue, especially where productivity isn't matching population growth at all. Now, that population also requires education. Of course, we all know that the vast majority of our population is young people, but that's also the strength of our, of our nation and the strength of our economy. So education is a crucial part of you know, uh, being able to grow our economy, relevant education, education that emphasizes critical analysis, that emphasizes um, uh, collaboration, which are some of the critical issues today. And, and education that also, of course, emphasizes technology. Now, then there are questions around gender equality as well, because really, if half of your population is not productive on account of lack of education or getting married too early and all sorts of other such issues, then you have already constrained productivity from the beginning because uh, obviously your entire population must be committed to the objective of, of productivity. So we've got to look at those sorts of issues, right? So the whole range of human capacity development healthcare, ensuring that people are healthy and able to be productive and that they have access to health and all of those things. So it's a, it's a, I, I think that there are so many components of, uh, of uh, uh, productivity, but I think an overriding uh, theme for me is the whole question of an economy that focuses on being on value addition as opposed to, you know, just, uh, selling uh, raw materials or, or selling oil.
without uh, the, the value addition that is required. And you know, sometimes the questions that arise around um, value addition, and people will ask the question, okay, so how do you add value in an economy where you're basically not, uh, where you require power, you know, you need to import a lot of your components and all that. But then there are all sorts of incredible examples of even where people have power constraints, even India, countries like that, that have power constraints. These are cost issues. Yes, you know, with improved power, you can actually produce cheaper, but these should not be uh, a hindrance. He also emphasized the need for Nigeria to move away from fossil fuel and adopt other human capacity building for the youths, among other approaches. First of all, um, being aware of what the real challenges are is important. And uh, frankly, a lot of African countries, and especially African petroleum or gas-producing countries, appear to have um, more or less been somewhat asleep at the wheel on these questions of defunding of fossil fuels uh, projects and all that. And I think that what is crucial is for us to pay attention to this because we are confronted, okay, so the world is confronted with a climate crisis and we are part of the world. But we are also confronted with an existential crisis of poverty and of even uh, mortality, yeah, in fact, mortality, maternal mortality, and all of the various challenges that come with extreme poverty. So while the world especially the wealthier uh, countries, are focused on climate change and climate change alone, we have to be focused not just on climate change, but access to energy, which is a major constraint that we have. And we also have to keep reminding ourselves and reminding policymakers that even in terms of how much pollution we're actually responsible for, we, it's a minor fraction to what the rest of the world is responsible for. I mean, so, so for example, the U.S. does 15.5 uh, tons per capita of emissions. We here, as the average in Africa is about 0.1%, you know, and we have far less power, we have far less access to energy. So the truth of the matter is that this transition to zero emissions by 2050 or 2060 or whenever, must be based must be based on fairness and equity and justice on her part the minister of budget and national planning zainab ahmed reflects on the status of the economy and further projected into the future the nigeria economy is growing and right now we've witnessed four consecutive quarters of uh, gdp growth and we've also said that we aspire to continue to push this growth to the point when the growth supersedes the growth in our population because that's the time that people will actually feel the benefits. So we're pushing the bar at uh, the third quarter of 2021, the average annual growth is now 3.3%. Our population growth is roughly about 3.2%. So we still need to do a lot more for people to do this. But the fact that the service sector is now in positive territory 
it also means that people will actually begin to feel the difference because that's where it's the service sector that has the first direct impact on people. So it is, it is transport, it is uh, hotel services, air services, health services. It's when those sectors begin to improve and are too positive, it counts on people. And also, in the case of Nigeria, because agriculture is very important, the growth of agricultural sector is also important for people to feel the difference because agriculture employs a large number of people. So at an increased growth rate of 1.22%, we still need to do much more in expansion of growth in the agricultural uh, sector. While emphasizing the need for a stronger economic revolution, typical of the Chinese experience, a member Nigerian Economic Summit Group, Aswe Igodalo, tasked the Nigerian political authorities to act in the same spirit to secure the economy. In 1979, when Deng Xiaoping embarked on the reforms that will propel China out of underdevelopment, China was in an even worse economic position than we are in today. It had experienced what has been described as the deadliest famine in human history, and an estimated 40 million Chinese had perished as a result of the self-inflicted policies of the so-called Great Leap Forward. The entire second industrial revolution had passed China by. China could have remained in the doldrums, a forgotten nation. Instead, chastened by the experience, her leaders put on their thinking caps reformed their economy to attract investments and developed their people to ride the wave of semi-automation that was changing the face of production for global consumer markets. Xiaoping was clear in his mind that his people had suffered enough and he committed himself and the party to acting in their long-term interests. It did not all happen in his lifetime, but he set the ball rolling. He was a hardened communist, but was prepared to do whatever was necessary. He famously declared that it does not matter whether a cat is black or white, so long as the cat catches mice. We, the government and people of Nigeria, must act now with fierce urgency to reform and secure our future. We must, without any further bickering, and equivocation, position ourselves to be part of and benefit from the fourth industrial and economic revolution. Now, coming on the heel of reducing recurrent expenditure, the federal government has announced a total removal of fuel subsidy in line with the Petroleum Industry Act 2021. The Minister of Finance, Budget and National Planning Zainab Ahmed threw more light on the critical decision. In the 2020 budget, we made a provision to assume that at the maximum by the end of June, we must exit subsidy. So this last fact, the subsidy cost to the Federation was 243 billion. So if you look at a cost of about 250 billion per month, so if you take 250 billion times 12 months. That is about 3 trillion naira. If we don't remove that, that is what is costing us. 
This is money that we can use to apply to health and to education. The intervention we want to provide, it's, it's so we said between 20 to 40 million people. Now that the Petroleum Industry Act is waiting implementation, possibly by the middle of 2022, a number of stakeholders have been reacting. The Nigeria Labour Congress, NLC, is already warming up for what is called the murder of Oralis in January against proposed implementation of total removal of fuel subsidy by government. Comrade Ayuba Waba is the president of the Nigeria Labour Congress, NLC. And will and shall organize protest rallies in all the states of the Federation and present a formal letter of protest to all the state governors of the 30 states on January 27, 2022. This will closely be followed by a national protest which will take place on the 1st of February 2022 here in Abuja. Similarly, the National Association of Nigerian Students, NANS, has also threatened to mobilize students across the country to protest the proposed total removal of fuel subsidy. The president, National Association of Nigerian Students, NANS, Comrade Adebayo Ashifon, met this noon in a news conference. We call on President Muhammadu Buhari, our father, to consider the need to review the proposed removal of the first subsidy and make effort to look at the matter for Nigerian masses. We want to commend the effort of NSC. They also take a position that the proposed fair price by a refiler committee of the Governor Forum should be totally rejected by our president. We so stand by it. Let's take a musical break. Now away from the music, as the full implementation of the fuel subsidy is waiting, economists have been voicing out the impacts if fully implemented. Mr. Paul Alaje is an economist with SPM Professionals. We cannot remove subsidy if we have not created an efficient supply side. Why do we have subsidy? We have subsidy because of so many factors. Today, because we don't have a supply side, a local supply side, I mean, by the way, because 
Perhaps all the PMS we consume in Nigeria are imported. We have abundance, at least the crude oil that is sufficient for our country to consume, but because we don't refine. So you cannot say we should clap with one hand. We have an effective demand locally, but we don't have a sufficient, we don't have a local supply for a commodity that we call energy, that drives our businesses, that drives our home. We understand the state of even power supply. That's why people must buy for their generators. Some organization are running on PMS. So it's a bit of concern as we speak right now. So leave that on one hand. On the second hand, the question is, where is the supply? If anything happens to exchange rate tomorrow, and we say we want the forces of demand and supply to adjudicate price, how exactly will that be if Naira falls to the dollar, which have been the practice in the last 10 years, in the last 20, 30 years, we have seen consistent devaluation of the Naira. If that happens, are we saying that people will be ready to pay more for economic sins they have not committed? That is point number two. Mr. Paul Alaji therefore presented the way forward in the full implementation of fuel subsidy policy. I am saying that before you allow the forces of demand and supply to adjudicate price, we need to have a functional supply side. I give you one of the economic mistakes we have made. Look at electricity, for instance. We, have, we said we are privatized to the discos, the jenkos. If you are living on the uh, mainland in Lagos, and you don't want to use Ikeja Electric, which other option do you have? You are faced with a monopoly. If Ikeja Electric refused to connect your, your meter that is faulty, for no fault of yours, you would have to wait at their mercy. Which other option do you have? If you go to the island, and without, you say you don't want to use Equi-Electric, which other option do you have? So if you say we want to privatize, there should be that presence of competitiveness, which is not there in power sector, and we may introduce the same thing in PMS. And this is my worry. If we continue to do that, if anything happens to exchange rate, Nigeria just needs to prepare to pay for more. I understand as the price of crude oil globally is increasing, the cost of subsidy in Nigeria will keep increasing. How do we remove that? It's by making refinery function locally. This is a lasting solution. It's the solution we have presented to leaders time and again in the country, and I hope that this time we are going to do the right thing once and for all. And now away from fuel subsidy, in a bid to strengthen the national economy, President Buhari said providing incentives to the public sectors would encourage businesses. The economy is free economy. And what is free economy? You allow people, you know, to make sure uh, that their industries are patronized. You have to stop smuggling. You have to stop developed countries dumping goods on your country. Because of technology, they can produce faster, they can produce more with, with less uh, resources. So you have to protect your economy. That was why ECOS and any other organization, uh, either within the system of ECOS or within Africa, we have to make sure that we have encouraged our own industries for employment, you know, for using our own resources, you know, and for security. Because of, we are so far behind in technology, if you allow dumping, 
I'm afraid, and employment, especially in the case of Nigeria, where we have a large population, you are having, you are going to have trouble. No country can develop without infrastructure. And infrastructure means roads, rail, power. These are three leading ones. And uh, we are working very hard. When I say we, I mean this government, we are working very hard on the roads. Try to imagine what was happening even between Lagos and Ibadan six months ago and what it is now. And now we are doing from Lagos to Kano, the rail road from here to Kaduna to Kano. So we have to have that infrastructure right. And then Nigerians will mind their own businesses. But when the infrastructure is not there, the roads are not done. The rail is virtually killed. There is no power. What do you expect people to do? From every indication, Nigerians would like to have a stronger economy as to improve their living status. When this is achieved, the citizens would develop love and confidence in the nation and its leadership. This will go a long way to enhance national unity, foster national loyalty, and build national security. This is indeed the hope and desire of Nigeria in this new order. And that's the new order on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network. This edition examines building a stronger economy. Thank you for listening. The new order is open for sponsorship. Contact the producer at the ground floor, Radio House, Area Tengriki, Abuja. Call or send us a WhatsApp message on 0816-076-7464. The studio manager has been Priska Oparocha. The program was produced by Onbehemba Oin. My name is Princess Aboraro. Your narrator. Bye for now. of any nation depends on the strength of its economy. The fortune of any nation lies in the manner in which the economy of such a nation is being managed. When the economic base of a nation is strong, the growth is quite assured. But with a fragile economy, the strength of such a nation becomes a source of worry. So what needs to be done to build a stronger Nigerian economy? On that note, I welcome you to the new order on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network. The new order examines a critical issue in our national life by presenting the way to go. In this edition, 
we look at building a stronger economy. My name is Princess Aboraro, your narrator. The Nigerian economy is structured around crude oil with other sectors having not much to add. The near mono-economic status of the Nigerian economy has therefore made the economy prone to significant shock to events that have economic impacts. Evidently, the Nigeria's economy entered a recession in 2020 due to a fall in crude oil prices and containment measures to fight the spread of COVID-19. The containment measures mainly affected aviation, tourism, hospitality, restaurants, manufacturing and trade. Contraction in these sectors of set demand-driven expansion in financial and information communications technology sectors. When Nigeria exited recession, other negative economic indices like inflation, among others, have been haunting the country. An economist, Oladofun Mabunoli, reflects on the broad challenges to the Nigerian economy within the record era of global COVID-19 pandemic. As it is now, Everybody's crying. The economy is still not the way it should be. If you check our GDP, the largest contributor to our GDP is agriculture, contributing over 24% to the GDP. Early 2020, we had a series of others, farmers' clash in a different part of the country, especially the Middle Belt, where it's a farm basket state of the nation. So, but if you check 2020 to a very large extent, those clashes reduced. Then people start producing, goods start coming to market, then manufacturers start getting goods and stuff. So that's why I said this is a, it's a ripple effect. So because of that reduction in insecurity between farmers and elders, then farm produce start coming out and then the market starts rebounding. And I've also, and again, I've also checked um, uh, manufacturers actually, most manufactured goods, about 70% of their raw material come from farm. If the farm is distorted, the market will be distorted, price of goods and services will go up, the GDP will surely be affected. So it's like saying the major of the major being treated. 24% of the of GDP is being uh, attended to then. Of course, we should expect such uh, growth. Then again, the aviation sector, the service sector, after COVID, because the COVID restrictions have been lifted, people rushed in, remittances also are increasing, people start sending money back home because the, their own um, domestic economy over there, those in UK, US, got their job back, started working at home or different ways of, uh, since they opened the economy. So all these put together will surely make the economy to uh, to come in, then it's not yet Uru. We can't say we have gotten five point something, then that will start, we'll go back to bed. Now, in a bid to strengthen the Nigerian economy, the federal government has been undertaking a number of economic policies and programs within the period. One of them is the medium term expenditure framework and fiscal strategy paper. It is designed to facilitate several important outcomes improved allocative efficiency, and more efficient use of public funds. This became even more important following the COVID-19 pandemic. This policy was presented to the Senate by President Muhammadu Buhari and was approved by the Senate. Senator Adole Solomon is the chairman of the Senate Committee on Finance and National Planning. Under 3.0, we have the membership of the committee that were part of the consideration of the MTEF and the fiscal strategy. That goes to page uh, four of the document. We also have the method that was adopted in consideration of this medium-term expenditure framework and the fiscal strategy paper. And, uh, and the MBAs that were invited by the committee. Mr. President, distinguished colleague, 
the MDAs that were invited are categorized into three. Those that are funded by the budget, those that are partially funded, and those that are fully funded from the federal budget. It is believed that its implementation will make the economy viable to meet up with emerging challenges, including funding of infrastructure. The Senate President, Ahmed Lawan. The time has come for us as an administration to start to think of other sources and means of funding our infrastructure. In addition to economic diversification, the country also requires different approaches towards achieving economic growth and national security. As such, the 27th Nigerian Economic Summit was held as a platform for stakeholders to highlight Nigeria's core socio-economic challenges to come up with solutions. The theme for the summit was securing our future, the fierce urgency of now. The Vice President, Professor Yemi Oshimbajo, raised issues to be addressed as to enhance a two-digit growth of the Nigerian economy. Population growth is obviously an issue, especially where productivity isn't matching population growth at all. Now, that population also requires education. Of course, we all know that the vast majority of our population is young people, but that's also the strength of our, of our nation and the strength of our economy. So education is a crucial part of you know, uh, being able to grow our economy, relevant education, education that emphasizes critical analysis, that emphasizes um, uh, collaboration, which are some of the critical issues today. In an education that also, of course, emphasizes technology. Now, then there are questions around gender equality as well, because really, if half of your population is not productive on account of lack of education or getting married too early and all sorts of other such issues, then you have already constrained productivity from the beginning because uh, obviously your entire population must be committed to the objective of, of productivity. So we've got to look at those sorts of issues, right? So the whole range of human capacity development healthcare, ensuring that people are healthy and able to be productive and that they have access to health and all of those things. So it's a, it's a, I, I think that there are so many components of, uh, of uh, uh, productivity, but I think an overriding uh, theme for me is the whole question of an economy that focuses on being on value addition as opposed to, you know, just, uh, selling uh, raw materials or, or selling oil without uh, the, the value addition that is required. And you know, sometimes the questions that arise around um, value addition, and people would ask the question, okay, so how do you add value in an economy where you're basically not, uh, where you require power, you know, you need to import a lot of your components and all that. But then there are all sorts of incredible examples of even where people have power constraints, even India, countries like that, that have power constraints. These are cost issues. Yes, you know, with improved power, you can actually produce cheaper, but they, these should not be uh, a hindrance.
also emphasized the need for Nigeria to move away from fossil fuel and adopt other human capacity building for the youths, among other approaches. First of all, um, being aware of what the real challenges are is important. And uh, frankly, a lot of African countries, and especially African petroleum or gas producing countries, appear to have um, more or less been somewhat asleep at the wheel on these questions of defunding of fossil fuels uh, projects and all that. And I think that what is crucial is for us to pay attention to this because we are confronted, okay, so the world is confronted with a climate crisis and we are part of the world. But we are also confronted with an existential crisis of poverty and of even uh, mortality, yeah, in fact, mortality, maternal mortality, and all of the various challenges that come with extreme poverty. So while the world, especially the wealthier uh, countries, are focused on climate change and climate change alone, we have to be focused not just on climate change, but access to energy, which is a major constraint that we have. And we also have to keep reminding ourselves and reminding policymakers that even in terms of how much pollution we're actually responsible for, we, it's a minor fraction to what the rest of the world is responsible for. I mean, so, so for example, the US does 15.5 uh, tons per capita of emissions. We here, as the average in Africa is about 0.1%. You know, and we have far less power, we have far less access to energy. So the truth of the matter is that this transition to zero emissions by 2050 or 2060 or whenever must be based, must be based on fairness and equity and justice. On her part, the Minister of Budget and National Planning, Zainab Ahmed, reflects on the status of the economy and further projected into the future. The Nigeria economy is growing and right now we've witnessed four consecutive quarters of uh, GDP growth. And we've also said that we are spared to continue to push this growth to the point when the growth supersedes the growth in our population because that's the time that people will actually feel the benefit. So we're pushing the bar at uh, the third quarter of 2021, the average annual growth is now 3.3%. Our population growth is roughly about 3.2%. So we still need to do a lot more for people to do this. But the fact that the service sector is now in positive territory, it also means that people will actually begin to feel the difference. Because that's where it's the service sector that has the first direct impact on people. So it is, it is transport, it is uh, hotel services, air services, health services. It's when those sectors begin to improve and are too positive, it counts on people. And also, in the case of Nigeria, because agriculture is very important, the growth of the agricultural sector is also important for people to feel the difference because agriculture employs a large number of people. So at an increased growth rate of 1.22%, we still need to do much more in expansion of growth in the agricultural uh, sector.
while emphasizing the need for a stronger economic revolution typical of the Chinese experience, a member Nigerian Economic Summit Group, Aswe Higodalo, tasked the Nigerian political authorities to act in the same spirit to secure the economy. In 1979, when Deng Xiaoping embarked on the reforms that will propel China out of underdevelopment, China was in an even worse economic position than we are in today. It had experienced what has been described as the deadliest famine in human history, and an estimated 40 million Chinese had perished as a result of the self-inflicted policies of the so-called Great Leap Forward. The entire second industrial revolution had passed China by. China could have remained in the doldrums, a forgotten nation. Instead, chastened by the experience, her leaders put on their thinking caps reformed their economy to attract investments and developed their people to ride the wave of semi-automation that was changing the face of production for global consumer markets. Xiaoping was clear in his mind that his people had suffered enough and he committed himself and the party to acting in their long-term interests. It did not all happen in his lifetime, but he set the ball rolling. He was a hardened communist, but was prepared to do whatever was necessary. He famously declared that it does not matter whether a cat is black or white, so long as the cat catches mice. We, the government and people of Nigeria, must act now with fierce urgency to reform and secure our future. We must, without any further bickering, and equivocation, position ourselves to be part of and benefit from the fourth industrial and economic revolution. Now, coming on the heel of reducing recurrent expenditure, the federal government has announced a total removal of fuel subsidy in line with the Petroleum Industry Act 2021. The Minister of Finance, Budget and National Planning Zainab Ahmed threw more light on the critical decision. In the 2020 budget, we made a provision to assume that at the maximum by the end of June, we must exit subsidy. So this last fact, the subsidy cost to the Federation was 243 billion. So if you look at a cost of about 250 billion per month, so if you take 250 billion times 12 months. That is about 3 trillion naira. If we don't remove that, that is what is costing us. This is money that we can use to apply to health and to education. The intervention we want to provide, it's, so we said between 20 to 40 million people. Now that the Petroleum Industry Act is waiting implementation, possibly by the middle of 2022, a number of stakeholders have been reacting. The Nigeria Labour Congress, NLC, is already warming up for what is called the murder of Oralis in January against proposed implementation of total removal of fuel subsidy by government. Comrade Ayubawaba is the president of Nigeria Labour Congress, NLC. And will and shall organize protest rallies in all the states of the Federation and present a formal letter of protest 
to all the state governors of the 30 states on January 27, 2022. This will closely be followed by a national protest which will take place on the 1st of February 2022 here in Abuja. Similarly, the National Association of Nigerian Students, NANS, has also threatened to mobilize students across the country to protest the proposed total removal of fuel subsidy. The president, National Association of Nigerian Students, NANS, Comrade Adebayo Ashifon, met this noon in a news conference. We call on President Muhammadu Buhari, our father, to consider the need to review the proposed removal of the fuel subsidy and make effort to look at the matter for Nigerian masses. We want to commend the effort of NSC. They also take a position that the proposed fair price by a refiler committee of the Governor Forum should be totally rejected by our president. We so stand by it. Let's take a musical break. away from the music. As the full implementation of the fuel subsidy is waiting, economists have been voicing out the impacts if fully implemented. Mr. Paul Alaje is an economist with SPM Professionals. We cannot remove subsidy if we have not created an efficient supply side. Why do we have subsidy? We have subsidy because of so many factors. Today, because we don't have a supply side, a local supply side I mean by the way, because perhaps all the PMS we consume in Nigeria are imported. We have abundance, at least the crude oil that is sufficient for our country to consume, but because we don't refine. So you cannot say we should clap with one hand. We have an effective demand locally, but we don't have a sufficient, we don't have a local supply for a commodity 
that we call energy, that drives our businesses, that drives our home. We understand the state of even power supply. That's why people must buy for their generators. Some organization are running on PMS. So it's a bit of concern as we speak right now. So leave that on one hand. On the second hand, the question is, where is the supply? If anything happens to exchange rate tomorrow, and we say we want the forces of demand and supply to adjudicate price, how exactly will that be if Naira falls to the dollar, which have been the practice in the last 10 years, in the last 20, 30 years, we have seen consistent devaluation of the Naira. If that happens, are we saying that people will be ready to pay more for economic sins they have not committed? That is point number two. Mr. Paul Alaji therefore presented the way forward in the full implementation of fuel subsidy policy. I am saying that before you allow the forces of demand and supply to adjudicate price, we need to have a functional supply side. I give you one of the economic mistakes we have made. Look at electricity, for instance. We, we said we are privatized to the discos, the jenkos. If you are living on the uh, mainland in Lagos, and you don't want to use Ikeja Electric, which other option do you have? You are faced with a monopoly. If Ikeja Electric refused to connect your, your meter that is faulty, for no fault of yours, you would have to wait at their mercy. Which other option do you have? If you go to the island, and without, you say you don't want to use Ecoelectric, which other option do you have? So if we say we want to privatize, there should be that presence of competitiveness, which is not there in power sector, and we may introduce the same thing in PMS. And this is my worry. If we continue to do that, if anything happens to exchange rate, Nigeria just needs to prepare to pay for more. I understand as the price of crude oil globally is increasing, the cost of subsidy in Nigeria will keep increasing. How do we remove that? It's by making refinery function locally. This is a lasting solution. It's the solution we have presented to leaders time and again in the country, and I hope that this time we are going to do the right thing once and for all. And now away from fuel subsidy, in a bid to strengthen the national economy, President Buhari said providing incentives to the public sectors would encourage businesses. The economy is free economy. And what is free economy? You allow people, you know, to make sure uh, that their industries are patronized. You have to stop smuggling. You have to stop developed countries dumping goods on your country. Because of technology, they can produce faster, they can produce more with, with less uh, resources. So you have to protect your economy. That was why ECOS and any other organization, uh, either within the system of ECOS or within Africa, we have to make sure that we have encouraged our own industries for employment, you know, for using our own resources, you know, and for security. Because of, we are so far behind in technology, if you allow dumping, I'm afraid, unemployment, especially in the case of Nigeria, where we have a large population, you are having, you are going to have trouble. No country can develop without infrastructure. And infrastructure means roads, rail, power. These are three leading ones. And uh, 
We are working very hard. When I say we, I mean this government, we are working very hard on the roads. Try to imagine what was happening even between Lagos and Ibadan six months ago and what it is now. And now we are doing from Lagos to Kano, the rail road from here to Kaduna to Kano. So we have to have that infrastructure right. And then Nigerians will mind their own businesses. But when infrastructure is not there, the roads are not done. The rail is virtually killed. There is no power. What do we expect people to do? From every indication, Nigerians would like to have a stronger economy as to improve their living status. When this is achieved, the citizens would develop love and confidence in the nation and its leadership. This will go a long way to enhance national unity foster national loyalty, and build national security. This is indeed the hope and desire of Nigeria in this new order. And that's the new order on the network service of Radio Nigeria, Africa's largest radio network. This edition examines building a stronger economy. Thank you for listening. The new order is open for sponsorship. Contact the producer at the ground floor, Radio House, Area Tengriki, Abuja. Call or send us a WhatsApp message on 0816-076-7464. 0816-076-7464. The studio manager has been Priska Oparocha. The program was produced by Ondohemba Oin. My name is Princess Aboraro, your narrator. Bye for now.